You know what I was about to say? There's already a video on the Thumerians on the channel. Yeah, because I made a little note, like, reminding myself talk about the existing videos so that people know. Yeah. And then I keep going back to that first note. <laughs> I guess this is the equivalent of Vati remastering his old videos in Dark Souls Remastered. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. No? Well, oh, yeah, he's popular. <laughs> No, because we didn't talk about the Thumerians separately. We only mentioned them in various podcasts. They have an entire separate thing dedicated to them. Because I know I made the thumbnail. Yeah, but it's only ten minutes. What if there's only ten minutes of stuff to actually say about them? Well, we'll see about that. If this podcast lasts longer than ten minutes, then you were wrong. Well, okay, because we'll have a new Prime Minister in about 80. So... <laughs> So it's like a race. Can we finish this? Can, can we finish this podcast before the new Prime Minister of Australia is announced? Yeah, it's like a challenge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. If we can't finish it in time and it's Peter Dutton, that's our fault. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Let's go. So, Richie, can you briefly tell me about the Thumerians? The Thumerians are described as a kind of pre-human civilization. They look like humans, but they are about a head taller. They're very, very pale. Their eyes are completely black. They don't have any uh, iris or pupil or anything. It's just like a black pit. And they are very kind of thin looking they have uh, the women especially have extremely pronounced cheekbones they are supposed to look like a vampire they're supposed to look like uh, if you've seen if anyone here has seen the um film bram stoker's dracula by which i mean the film called bram stoker's dracula not dracula it's a copyright issue um <laughs> the way that the vampires are depicted in that as these sort of very um aristocratic very pale people is a big influence on the Thumerian design. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. And um, the Thumerians seem to have lived in dungeons at some point. Hmm. The way the Great Ones are described is that they're slumbering. So the idea is that these the quote-unquote tombs under Yarnum are actually, like, where the Great Ones sort of lived. Like, they, they just slumber in their tombs. It's taken from, from Call of Cthulhu. The idea is that the Thumerians were, like, a sort of slave race to the Great Ones, and they they kept the um, tombs... They kept the tombs running, basically. They, they would expand them, and they would guard them. And then, over time, they were sort of like just, like, watching over them. And then, with time, they eventually sort of rebelled. And they formed their own civilization away from the Great Ones. The way I pictured it is that the Marians lived underground. Mm -hmm. And then the Great Ones came over and they're like, hey guys, what's up? And the Thumerians were like, nothing much, we just live underground. And then the Great Ones are like, cool, can we chill here too? And the Thumerians were like, yeah, sure. And then eventually Great Ones were like, hey, you know, we wouldn't enslave you. And then the Thumerians were like, I don't know if we're okay with that. And then the Great Ones are like, but listen, we're like outerworldly beings. You kind of don't have a choice. And then the Great Ones went to sleep, and then Thumerians rebelled. But that might have, like, been what happened. 
because they don't really like specify um like they don't give you any real specifics about what happened it just says that the Thumerians were the guardians of the great ones while the great ones were asleep and then they sort of like i guess the great ones were asleep like they were just resting in their tombs and then the Thumerians formed their own civilization like away from the great ones so how do you think the initial encounter between the Thumerians and great ones went well i don't know because like I guess we'll get into it later on, but Fumerians and humans basically seem to be the same species. It's just like a hu- there's a specific human bloodline that has sort of trace Thumerian elements in it. And if you sort of like give a human enough Thumerian blood, they just turn into a Thumerian. Mm-hmm. So for all we know, like the Thumerians just started off as humans. And then when the Great Ones showed up, they became Thumerians and then- when they came to the surface, they were, without the influence of the Great Ones, became humans again. Okay, I see. I want to ask you, you know how there's a dungeons, chalices, and labyrinths? Mm. What's the difference between the three? <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> um, okay. The, the confusing thing, right, this is, I don't fucking care that people, like, say, don't talk about cut content, because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. The, the, the idea originally was that the labyrinth, that you go into was just, it was just underneath Yarn. And you would use these chalices to unlock the labyrinth. And it would just have been like, you would have just been able to walk there from Yarn. And then for whatever reason, we don't know, they had to change it. So instead of that, you would, you kind of teleported there from the hunter's dream. The physical uh, like location of the labyrinth didn't really make sense after that. But like, it is just underneath Yarn. Mm-hmm. So it's it's called the labyrinth. It's also called the dungeons, and that it's referred to as like the chalice dungeons because you use a chalice to activate it. Right. Yeah, but they are the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you go into the dungeons, um, is it present, past, or future? What happens there? Okay, I think the only way to make sense of it is to say that when you go into the dungeons you're stepping back into a specific point in time because otherwise huge chunks of it make absolutely no sense. Okay. Because like, for example, you can meet Queen Yarnum in the present and she has had her child stolen from her. Then you can go into the chalices and meet Queen Yarnum before her child is stolen. Mm-hmm, right. And you can also do things like you can go back and meet Rom in the chalices after Rom has died. You can- encounter uh, Briatus and the Celestial Emissary in the East Chalice, even though we're told that, like, Ibritus was found in the East Chalice by the choir. So, like, presumably you're going back to a point before Ibritus was found. Like, there's sort of no way to make sense of it other than just saying, like, when you go into the chalices, you are- it's sort of like being summoned into someone else's world. Like- mm-hmm. Like, you can beat the Cleric Beast and then ring the Resonant Bell and then get summoned into someone else's world and fight the Cleric Beast again, because for them, it's an earlier time. So, right, I think yeah. you just have to you have to explain it like that, otherwise there's just no way to make sense of it. Um, this, I think, that may have been, like, that may not just be a gameplay thing, because one of the big influences on the Labyrinth part of Bloodborne is uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki, which- ends with the characters descending into a labyrinth underneath the city that they live in. And 
Mm-hmm. When they reach the bottom, they start very explicitly saying, like, the deeper we go, the more time is slowing down. And at the very, very bottom of the labyrinth, they're like, time doesn't work anymore. Like, everything is just held in this eternal present. Okay. So, I think, like, yeah. But also, it, it feeds into a wider thing in Bloodborne, which is, like, it sort of collapses time and space into the one thing. It's something that Miyazaki does a lot in, in his um, games when he's experimenting with storytelling. So, like, if you look at the the Hunter's Nightmare in the DLC, the higher you go, the further back you are going. Like, you, you start you start in the recent history of Yharnam, and then you go all the way back, and the highest point in that is the Fishing Hamlet, which is where everything began. The Chalice Dungeons are a similar thing, where, like, you're- when they dug up the chalices, they were also digging back into Yharnam's history. Like, the deeper down to the chalice you go, the more you go back into the past of Yharnam and where everything came from. That's so meta. It's a bit meta, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, do you think the Thumerians were inspired by, like, the Sumerian civilization, since they sound similar? Well, the way it's written in Japanese, I think you can just read it as Sumerian. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The, the way it's written, it's also, like, Tomb-Aryan. And we were thinking, like... Is it like tomb people? So it's like the tomb Aryans. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it doesn't seem to have like an origin as a word. It's just like a weird sounding sort of odd name for something like Yanem. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I have a few questions about the Marians and their life in the dungeons. Okay. There's there's not much of it. No, there's a lot. How ancient are Sumerians? It we like since the dawn of time, like we don't know. The problem is that like Bloodborne sort of ends with this like I guess we're going into like the next childhood of humanity thing. So it doesn't really pin down like a concrete timeline. I don't think there is a concrete timeline. It's just like you have to it's just like the Sumerians are the past and like, there's sort of two ways Yarnum can go. It's just, like, Thumerian past, but also there's this other place called Lauren. Lauren is somewhere that collapsed, like, Yarnum is collapsing, so Yarnum reaches a kind of tipping point where, like, you're either going to end up like Thumeru or end up like Lauren. Right, yeah. Right. So, the exact timeline I don't think is super important unless you're, like, being really, really pedantic. What does that mean again? Like, if you're really, really detail-obsessed, then I can understand caring about the timeline, but I don't think, like, it just has to be the past. Okay. Long long enough for people to have forgotten that- not long enough for people to have forgotten that it exists, but still for it to exert an influence. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And why did they live underground? Because they were guarding the Great Ones in their tombs. Why couldn't they have, like, above-ground tombs? Because they're buried. What would an above ground- what, what, Lenin? Yeah, like a mausoleum. Well, you know, maybe. The thing is, like, this is um, probably taken from Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Because in Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu, who, like, became the sort of mascot of the Lovecraft mythos, he's not that important, but he is described as, like, he's a priest- that oversees all these, like, sleeping things in an underground city that's on an island somewhere. Okay. 
So I think the the Thumerians are just sort of like it's the Cthulhu role of like they're just there to sort of tend to the sleeping things that haven't woken up yet. Yeah. So why are the great ones sleeping? It's a very good question. Uh, I don't think the, the game ever really explains it, and you, you don't even really meet that many great ones in the in the labyrinth. Okay, I think the idea is that what separates the great ones from other because the great ones aren't a species; it's just like a classification. Like you say, this thing is a great one. What separates the great ones from other beings is the way that, firstly, the way that they can't reproduce, but also the way that they. Um, they their consciousness projects from their body into the dreamland. So I think the idea is they're sleeping because their consciousness has moved, like it's left their body and moved on to the dreamlands in the same way that like Mikolash is like, he has a dead body, but he's also alive in the dreamlands. So does it mean the great ones are dead in their tombs? Well, that's a, that's another call of Cthulhu thing. Cause they talk about like, you just because like the, Something can be dead and also dreaming. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, like, because Miyazaki is sort of like a D&D dork from what I've seen. Right. So his his influence may have been more so the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game than necessarily, like, the um actual story. But I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. Could... The great ones actually be some Sumerians who ascended and then became great ones. I think that's like possible. Hmm. We don't really get a, a backstory for like it's um the great ones that the Sumerians seem to have had dealings with is like we think the moon presence. When you encounter Queen Yarnum, you fight her in front of this huge altar that she starts the like fight by praying to. And then if you do enough root, root chalices, which are the randomized ones, if you do enough of those, you sometimes encounter a variant of that room where the altar is part of the top is gone and it has a giant hunter's mark on it. And the moon presence is the thing that brands you with the hunter's mark. So she might be praying to the moon presence. We don't know, though. It's it's quite vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We think that um, Cos comes from Lauren, which I don't know if that makes her a Thumerian or not, because we don't really know who lived in Lauren. Yeah. It may have just been people. We think um, Erden. Erden is the one you can say that they most likely did because- if you if you accept that um, Yarnum, the city, is a Thumerian city that's just been built on top of the labyrinth, then the idea that there's like an Erden chapel, and like the people there just call it Erden, but they don't seem to understand why. So I think the idea is like that is a that is an old like Thumerian chapel to Erden, so they had dealings with Erden. Yeah, and Erden like. I don't know, Erden might be the father of, um, Erden is definitely the father of Ariana's child. And like, right. the reason Ariana is able to conceive that child is because she has Thumerian blood in her. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, and we have a whole Ariana podcast on Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, someone just knocked on the door and I had to like look around to see who it was. Oh no, is it the great ones? Are they going to slumber in your house and enslave you? No, I think it's the postman, but I'll, I'll <laughs> he's le- he's left something on the doorstep, but I'll get it when I finish recording. Okay. Okay. Cool. You know the bone ash mask? And Hello. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm just I I can I just check what's at the door for a second? Yeah, yeah. Is there yeah. someone talking? Yeah, okay. Yes, go ahead. Let's talk shit about Richie. I can hear oh, you. Oh shit, he scared me. <laughs> I wanted to talk shit about you to the microphone while you weren't here. It's okay, I'm back now. Oh my god, I bet you never left. I bet you were just waiting for me to talk shit to the microphone, and then you scared me. No, I just went and looked out the window to see who it was. I can hear someone talking, but it's not It's not about me, so it's fine. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, okay. you know the bone ash mask, which says... A mask made of bone ash, worn by the oldest keepers, the keepers who mind the slumbering great ones, yep. gained eternal life, preserved an ashen form in the ceremony of flame that cremated body and soul. Yeah. The long pointed hat is a symbol of the old keepers and is considered evidence of their companionship, forged in a certain sin. Yep. Okay. Richie. Yep. Long pointed hat. Yeah. Executioners. I thought you were going to say uh, Ingvard from Dark Souls. Who's Ingvard again? We did a whole podcast on him. He's got a, a long pointed hat and he like he like looks after the new Londo after it's flooded. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. No. No, I was going to say, is it like reference to the executioners? I don't think so. I think it's just a pointed hat. But they're the only ones who wear a pointed hat. Well, well it's, they look different, though. Like, one one looks like a witch's hat, and one looks like a gramophone horn. <laughs> the gramophone. And then it says that um, they gained eternal life preserved in ashen form in the ceremony of flame yep. that cremated body and soul. Yeah. Did you talk about that? Well, I I can. Um because I have encountered the cut burning warriors. I did it last night. Whoa. There were going to be in the chalices these like they looked like the Thumerians, but they were sort of like flaming. They looked like they had um parts of their body were sort of missing and they had this like orange glow to them, like they had been burned up. Oh, Sana showed them, or or Lance. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so if anyone's like, oh, those were cut from the game, not anymore, because <laughs> the chalice with them in it is now on the server, so you can go and visit them. Oh, snap! And I was, I was doing it last night, and I fought them. How are they? Um, they're, they're all right. They, uh, they're very, they're very, like, soulsy enemies. Like, they have bows and arrows that they shoot at you from a distance. They don't mm-hmm. use guns. And uh, when you beat them, instead of their body flopping on the ground, they, like, dissolve. I think the idea is, like, because they're made of, like, mm-hmm. ash and stuff, they would dissolve into a cloud and float away or something. Well, it's interesting you mention it, because I was about to tell you that this whole description sounds very soulsy. 
Yeah, yeah. They're a very uh, soulsy sort of thing. And I think the keepers keepers of the old lords were a um maybe connected to that at some point. The idea of like people being sort of burned alive to mm-hmm. look after the Thumerians as like these ash things. So basically when one of the great ones linked the first flame. Yep. It burned up those guys. Solaire is a great one theory confirmed real. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, what are those? Uh, some Knights of Gwyn or something walk around aimlessly because they also burned up. Yeah, they were burned in the when the first flame was. Yeah. yeah. One thing that they talk about in Bloodborne is like that flame sort of burns away the the beast plague. Like if you have enough, like mm-hmm. beasts have this innate fear of flame and like the the vermin that crawl around inside you when you have the plague, um, they, they react very badly to flame. Like there are those silver beasts where if you, if you kill them, the vermin burst out, but if you kill them with a flame weapon, the vermin die before they can burst out. So it could be that like the fire was a purification thing to stop the, to stop those people turning. Hmm. Like, stop them turning by burning them alive? Yeah, like, it's like a purification thing. If you burned everything away, then, like, you would remove all traces of the beast scourge from them to make sure they didn't transform. Well, you know how you say that beasts were scared of fire or something? They have, it. like, it's like an innate fear. I think that's everyone, though. Like, if you set me on fire to die, I'm pretty yeah. sure... It's true, yeah. I... Yeah, they're just being, it's just sensible. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like in RPGs when it's like, oh, this thing's weak to being electrocuted. Like, yeah, but also, <laughs> like, most things probably. Yes. Like, if you hit most stuff with a bolt of lightning, it's probably not going to do very well. <laughs> and they say here, forged in a certain sin. Mm. Forged in a certain me. Go on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what the what the sin is supposed to be. I know what it is. Is it a reference to you? No, it's Aldia. Well, he is also on fire, so. Yeah. Yeah. Sin, fire, Aldia, scholar of the first sin. Yeah. 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 So basically, this person wearing the bone ash mask accidentally walked into bloodborne instead of dark souls 3 possible they have, they've got a katana there you go <laughs> mystery solved oh and here it says considered evidence of their companionship so like they were friends with the great ones so these guys weren't enslaved they were just like bffs they're like looking after the great ones so, like, they're the companions. So, it's not BFFs. It's still a slave. Well, we can't really ask them. Presumably, they weren't that happy if they ended up rebelling. But did this these guys end up rebelling? Well, this this is another point of contention that we never really get a straight answer on. You find... Thumerian corpses and things lying around the labyrinth and they have this armor on 
that's very distinctive. And then when you go to Canehurst, you can see there that there's portraits of people wearing that exact armor set. So it looks like there was some kind of like, like, uh, and those armored Thumerians never show up in the labyrinth. They're always dead. So it looks like there was some kind of civil war within Thumaru. And then whoever it was that wore those armor sets was like expelled. And then their, their ancestors were the ancestors of Canehurst. And that's why Canehurst has their armor sets. Yeah. But my question, and you should have understood it because I pointed okay. to the description when I asked it. I'm sorry. To show you that I specifically mean these guys, like the the witches or whatever, Bone yeah. Ash Mask wearing witches. Yeah. Like, do you think they rebelled? Like, because they, wh- where are they going to go? They're like, they're like burnt. They're like ash. They probably can't even leave the labyrinth. Do you ever fight them above ground? Well, this is the thing, because, like, most of the Thumerians in the Labyrinth have an above-ground equivalent. Do they? I think their above-ground equivalent is the Shadows of Yana. No. They have similar weapons, and they, they recycle the same animations. But aren't the Shadows of Yarnum like, invisible? No, you can see them pretty well. Is Is your copy glitched? Mm. It's going to turn out that, like you, when you fought them, they were invisible, and I have to take back. No. I have to take back <laughs> acting like you were like doing badly. It's like, oh yeah, well, if they were invisible, it's probably quite difficult. <laughs> no, I mean like their face. You well, you don't see their yeah, face, well, but the bone ash mask face looks like a skeleton. The thing about the shadows of Yarnum is right; they do have a face. Like if you go up to them and you hold the torch up, they have facial features. They just their texture is just flat black. So I don't know if do they look like the bone mash ass mouth. Hmm? The bone mash ass. <laughs> I told you I can't speak anymore. I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks. It's like a drunk speak. person trying to say monster mash. <laughs> So, do the shadows of Yarnum under their hoodies look like the Bone Ash people? But we don't know what the Bone Ash people look like under their masks because it's a mask. No, it's a skeleton face. You can wear it. It's a mask. Okay, I didn't know that. It's got six eyes. What? It's got, there's like the eyes and then above that there's another two sets of eyes. What? Yeah. Okay, what are they called? Keepers of the Old Lords. Of the old Lord. H- hang on, I'm amazed for a second. You didn't realize you could get that armor set, but you're getting all this information from the armor set description. Did that not tip you off to the fact that you could get it in the game? I don't know, okay? <laughs> I see, I, I didn't realize the the Chandler's thing that was going on. Yeah, it, but one, it could, oh, if you beat the Keeper oh. of the Old Lords, you can buy that armor set from the Insight Bath. their face i'm pretty sure it's not because you can wear it so what cannibal wore that other guy's face in that movie yeah that's true so i think it's up to interpretation it is up to interpretation yes (laughs) okay so (laughs) um 
You know, I I wrote notes and questions and intelligent comments. I did not think this was going to go this way. I thought this was going to be like an intelligent podcast. It started out. It started out good. I was very proud of us. And then... Okay. So... Oh, okay. I gotta wake up my boyfriend. He's taking a nap. Oh my god! Oh my god! My boyfriend is a slumbering great one. And I was guarding his sleep. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a Thumerian. Are you tall enough? Oh god, okay. I'm like a you're, tiny Thumerian. You're about half the size of a Thumerian. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You're like the, you're like those little things in Mergo's loft. Yeah, there we go, that's yeah. me. <laughs> You're just chasing. You're just chasing me around with like a cat of nine tails, making me record podcasts. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wake up my boyfriend. I will be right back. Okay. Hello? 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 I'm back. Oh, God. Are you okay? <laughs> Getting my headphones on. Oh, my God. Are you okay? I was so worried. No, no. I just wanted to check on what was going on outside. And? Oh, it's just that the neighbor's um, kid is having a party in a couple of days and he was just coming by to say there might be a lot of noise. So if it got too loud to just tell him and he would tell them to knock it off. Did he invite you though? No. <gasps> That's so rude. Well, I've never spoken to him. Are you eating? No, I was um, scratching the side of my nose. Okay. Cause it sounded like you were eating. Okay. I'm not. Better not be. If I'm not snacking, nobody's snacking. That's true. I understand. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the Rebellion. The Rebellion. <laughs> Could you talk about the whole Rebellion thing in a little more detail? Well, there isn't much detail that you're given. Mm -hmm. Basically, what happens is there are these Thumerian corp- We assume they're Thumerian because they're in the Labyrinth. Armored corpses lying everywhere. Did you just say armored corpses? Like armored core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a deliberate reference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there are armored bodies lying everywhere. <laughs> and there, there's sort of little set pieces where you see, like, Thumerians behind cannons that are pointing at piles of corpses and stuff. So... The impression you get is there was some kind of, like, Thumerian versus Thumerian fight in the labyrinth. And then when you go to Kanehurst, there are portraits in Kanehurst that depict a man who is wearing that same armor set. And they're also full of stuff from the Chalice Dungeons. So, it looks like there was some sort of Thumerian civil war and one of the Thumerian factions who were the kind that wore that armor were forced to the surface, and they became Kanehurst and then Yarnum. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's odd because it, it does, like, you could just say, well, there's just bodies down here because Thumerians, but 
it does look like there is like they were fighting each other and you never see the armored ones at any point in the labyrinth you only ever see their bodies so it does look like there was a there was a war between them and the faction that wore the armor ended up leaving mhm mm. and so could you talk about the two factions briefly that's all we know that's literally it we just like there was some sort of of conflict and one of them ended up becoming Kanehurst and i guess the other one becomes Yana Wait, where do executioners fit in there? Well, we've had this discussion before. Yeah, I know, yeah, but like that, that's that, why I said briefly and then after you talk about it, I can be like, "Oh yeah, executioners, Snack Covenant, episode 8." Is it 8? I'm pretty sure, I don't know. We missed a trick by not doing something special for episode 8 cuz we're eating things. What? Episode 8. Yeah. Snacks 8. Why? Cuz you ate them. Oh! <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go back and replace the executioner episode with like us eating things. Nothing of value will be lost, so. <laughs> oh, damn, Richie. <laughs> That's actually a good one, I think. Oh no, it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> right, it's the one that was I remember, I remember it was like four hours long. Yeah, that's that's all of them. <laughs> no, no, this one was special because I cut it down to three hours. Anyway, so somebody wanted like um a sort of I guess uncut version of something. So I put the three hour version on YouTube, I mean on Patreon, and then I think the two hour version made it to YouTube. Okay. Where was I going with this? You asked me about executioners. Yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, where do the executioners fit into the whole rebellion? Well, all right. There are executioners in the labyrinth. You can run into them sometimes. And it's it's very confusing because prior to the DLC, you could kind of be like, "Okay, Alfred wants to kill Annalise, so he's probably like the executioners maybe just hated Annalise." and they were against her but at the same time uh the DLC added a friendly summon called Queen Killer who you can sue as an executioner who you can summon to kill Queen Yana so it looks like they they oppose both of them mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of a mess and like i think i made it sort of like i made it pretty clear in in I think the executioner's podcast that like the whole executioner thing is just baffling to me and I don't know why they did it because mm-hmm. like that whole strand of the plot if you just replace executioners with church hunters makes several orders of magnitude more sense <laughs> if you just say yeah. the church hunters went to Kanehurst and that's why Annalise hates the church and that's why there's a giant altar of an executioner in Cathedral Ward versus the version we have now where like they went there and their leader for some reason was a Thumerian and they're from a far away land <laughs> and even though they're like the church employed them i guess but also there's a giant 
executioner statue in Cathedral Ward and (laughs) having to come up with all of these, like, retcons about, like, oh, well, the reason they dress like the church is that the church patterned their uniform after them, even though the church clearly patterned their uniform after Willem, who it's just, like... Yeah. If I could change one thing about Bloodborne, it would be that. Because it's it's just such a weird, like, decision. (laughs) I don't quite understand why they did it. And Aegon actually has an episode... Um, I think it's with you and Redgrave on... Kanehurst? Was it Kanehurst? I remember... Um... I did the Kanehurst one with him, yeah. With Redgrave? No, with Aegon. Yeah, but there's one with you, Aegon, and Redgrave, isn't it? That's the final one. Oh, maybe it was just Aegon and Redgrave? It might have been, yeah. I think. Oh, I think they did uh, Thumaru I Hill together. Yeah. I can't remember, yeah. Well, anyway, go to Aegon's channel, like, search for... Uh, Thumaru, Vilebloods, Executioners, whatever. <laughs> They're really good episodes and listen to them. They're really, really good. Okay, so basically, Thumerians were watching over slumbering great ones. Yep. And then Thumerians rebelled. Yep. I just realized this is an hour long and we've just gone to. So the Thumerians were watching over, the- <laughs> oh which God. was like the first thing we talked about. We've just come back to it. <laughs> Okay, and then Thumerians rebelled, but there were also conflicts within the Thumerians. The way it... Yeah. And so some of them went above ground and became Vilebloods, and some of them well, became Yarnamites? Okay, so it says that, like, the first break from the Great Ones is when they named themselves a queen. Right. Yeah. So both the ones in the in the labyrinth and the ones in Kanehurst have a queen. Yeah. And it talks about the queen being like Yarnum's not the first queen. There's like a whole dynasty of queens and there's like yeah. you can- I have I have the quote here. I have the quote. Okay. I came prepared. Go on. Okay. So the Great Thumero I Hill Chalice says that this reveals that while early Thumerians were mere humble guardians of the slumbering great ones, their descendants felt entitled to name themselves a leader. And then Thumeru Ihil Rood Chalice says that the Thumerian monarch was traditionally a woman who assumed a name with classical roots. Yes. Go on. Well, what, what about that needs further clarification? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, when they say a name with classical roots, what do they mean? Well, what they mean is, like, the reveal is supposed to be that you beat Queen- You run into Queen Yarnum, right? And you're not supposed to know at this point that her name is going to be Yarnum. So, you get to the bottom of Thumaru Hill. For some reason, the boss is called Yarnum the Thumerian Queen. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why is she called Yarnum? So, you then beat her. And you get the root chalice, which then says she assumed a name with classical roots, as in the word Yarnum is a Thumerian word, which is supposed to be the, the final sort of like puzzle piece slots into place that Yarnum the city is a Thumerian city. They've just forgotten their own past. And so Yarnumites are Thumerians. Yes. And so. Are they the Thumerians that were against the Vilebloods? Okay. One of the things about 
the history of Yarnum that is like it is in there and it was probably a bit more played up in earlier drafts but got lost is that the history of Yarnum is not Yarnum is a normal city and then one day Lawrence shows up and says, hey, try this blood, and then they become obsessed with blood. What happens is Yarnum as a city was always obsessed with blood. It was basically a city of like one-eighth vampire people <laughs> who, because they were descended from the Thumerians, they'd forgotten that, but they still had that like Thumerian lust for blood in them. Okay. Right. Because of that, that's why the Healing Church were able to get the power that they had. Because Lawrence was able to say, oh, you're the guys who were really into blood. I can hook you up with even better blood. Like this even more potent sort of blood. So, like, they were always like that. He just preyed on that. It wasn't a case of, like, this was a normal sort of, like, Victorian Gothic city and then... Within a couple of generations, they turned into that. Like, they were kind of always like that. What all Lawrence did was, like, he was able to introduce that because they were already kind of hooked on blood. And the decline of it was the decline from them being hooked on blood to being hooked on blood and also, like, becoming beasts. hmm Yeah. Well, if they're descendants of Sumerians, because Sumerians didn't turn into beasts, so why did Yarnamites turn into beasts? Because, like, the the th- what happens is that, like, Yarnam, the city, is literally built over the Sumerian labyrinth. Like, they just kept building upward. And then over the generations, that becomes Yarnam. That's why Yarnam's got, like, like, it has gargoyles that look like messengers. And it's got, like, a chapel called Erden Chapel that's the chapel of a great one. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's got a giant clock tower that's got carol runes on it. And you have, like, the statues of, like, Amygdala and these statues of these, like, weird sort of, like, tentacle things everywhere. Because, right. yeah, because, like, it's just the, the upper part of the labyrinth. But they have forgotten the labyrinth exists over time. It's, it's just become lost to history. Yeah, I just feel like they should have been immune to the whole beast thing because their ancestors were. No, but the thing is, their ancestors were were quote unquote immune because they were able to like transcend and become something else. Whereas, like over oh, time, right. yeah, sure. that knowledge has the the knowledge and enlightenment has been lost, and they've become just like regular people. That's also you- like mm-hmm. yeah, go, no, go, go on, on. Uh, no, go on. No, you go. Yeah, and it's like like Ariana is a good example of that. Like Ariana is, she looks like a normal human, but she has within her this like dormant um, Thumerian blood that's stronger than everyone else's, and that's why she's able to conceive a child under the red moon. Mm-hmm. So like she's she's like there's enough Thumerian in her for that to happen, but she doesn't look Thumerian. She doesn't know that she is. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the bloodline is stronger at Kanehurst. That's this, by the way, this is the whole, like, when Alfred's like, oh, a scholar from Bergenworth brought the blood to Kanehurst and then Kanehurst became the vile bloods. As though, like, people sort of take that to mean Kanehurst was always, like, it was just like a, a castle and then they developed the, like, the Thumerian stuff as a result of blood being brought there. When it's more like, no, they were always a Thumerian 
family, they always had all these like Thumerian relics and paintings of Thumerians all over the castle. The thing is that um, all, all that blood did when it was brought there was sort of like activate them again. It was like bringing all the Thumerian traits kind of came back to the surface because the blood was going back into their bodies again. So, you know how Ariana gets pregnant and Adela doesn't? Yeah. And that's because Ariana is related to the vile blood line somehow, Yeah, because Ar- Ariana's blood is stronger. Her blood is stronger, okay. But if, yeah. if Adele is from Yarnum and if her blood was a little stronger, she could get pregnant too then from Odin Chapel. <sighs> yeah, and there's all this discussion of, like, Adela doesn't like Ariana because her blood is, like, dirty to Adela. Yeah. So, like, Adela is, I guess, she's because she's a blood saint, her blood has been, like, purified over and over again. So, it's, like, thinning out the Thumerian aspect of it. It's weird because, like, when we were looking at the data mining, there's, like, an, a Thumerian version of Adela that exists in there that we don't quite understand. And, like, maybe she, like, one of the plans was that she would become Thumerian the more blood she took mm. or something. There's a Thumerian Ariana in there as well where it's, like, it's like Ariana's model, but she's she she looks more like she's very very pale, and her eyes go black, and she gets very very pale hair. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, and you know how they're um, Thumeru eye heal chalice things? Yeah. What's an eye heal? It's just the name of the city. What does it mean? doesn't mean anything. It's like a made-up Thumerian language. So, it, it, it's like Yarnum, I heal. Yeah, Yarnum, I heal, Tumeru. Uh, what else is there? I think that's so it. So, it's possible that at some point there was a queen, I heal? Yeah. Because it says, like, the um, Thumerian monarch is, like, traditionally a woman who assumes a name with classical roots. So, like, it's a tradition and it had been going on for a long time and, like, yeah. I don't know, like, Annalise. Annalise doesn't sound like a Thumerian name, but. No, not. No. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there's a diagram somewhere. (laughs) So, you know, uh, they were choosing a monarch after they rebelled, but they were still underground and lived in Ihil. Yeah, Ihil is meant to be the like capital of the Thumerians. Okay, and the great ones didn't live in Ihil. I guess they. The problem is that the chalices are just like the same four rooms over and over again. So you just have to like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I. <laughs> I think so. I think Ihill is just like their their city that they built after the um because the way it's described is like there's the Thumerians naming themselves a queen and having their own civilization with like the elders and the queen and the descendants and everything. But at the same mm-hmm. time then there's like the what are just called the Labyrinth Watches. And it talks about them like almost like they're zombies and they just like their only purpose is to just continue to expand the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. So they just walk around with these pickaxes just like digging extra like holes and walls and then filling them in and building more tombs and like the the hinter tombs are described as just like there's no great ones there they just keep tunneling because they don't know what else to do okay um we 
don't have any vile blood videos, do we? Shouldn't you know? I mean, I don't. But... <laughs> oh, you have you have vile blood videos on your channel. Do I? Oh yeah. Don't don't. Yeah, it's really good though. It's really it's good. really bad. No, it's really amazing. No, it's wrong. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's still amazing. Because that Kane host thing is like from years ago, and in in the interim, like I've got a better idea. It's a good look. It's a good look at. Like, Fine. No, it's, it's still a it's it's still a good video. It's still good. It's a good educational video, like whatever, on what we thought of our yeah. gods back in the day. Um, the the evolving Fumerian discourse. <laughs> there we go. You mentioned something that I didn't realize. I guess I kind of realized it, but didn't think about it. Thumerians have trick weapons. They do, yes. Like, for example, the scythe an elder uses and the moonlight sword. Yeah, the the Thumerian elder's weapon is, it's a staff, and on the end of it there is this flame, and he's able to have the flame shift into different forms, like a trick weapon. So it can become a mace and a scythe and a bow. The Moonlight Sword is also a Thumerian weapon. It's something that Ludwig found when he was exploring the when he was exploring the dungeons. And then you see like the the shadows of Yarnum, if we accept them as Thumerians, then like they've got something that looks like mm-hmm. a Tenitris. They've got a katana that looks like the Chikage. The Keeper of the Old Lords also has the Chikage kind of katana thing. And then you, there's other Thumerians that like they have guns that look like a sort of weirder version of the guns that the Yanamites use. So, yeah, it, it's like what I was talking about, sort of time and space being collapsed into one thing for narrative purposes. That like, this is the history of Yanam. So, we're going back to the, back to pre-Yarnamite civilization, but it's got, like, it's the same things are happening. It's like, they've got transforming weapons, they've got guns, they've got werewolves, they've they kind of dress the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, Ligarius also have what looks like a Thumerian weapon? Yeah, Liga- yeah, Ligarius is just, like, again, going back to the whole fucking Thumerian executioner catastrophe <laughs> that is, like, that part of the story, like, Ligarius just is a Thumerian like, they don't say it, but he very clearly is. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, very pale and ten feet tall. <laughs> yeah, but on top of that, like, he has a he has weapons that look Thumerian. He has uh, almost the same moveset as the Thumerian Elder. <laughs> yeah. He's got, like, all these sort of, like, gems and sort of, like, things hanging off him that look very Thumerian. So, like... You just sort of have to accept that, like, okay, I guess that he's part of a faction of Thumerians who wanted to get rid of Annalise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, what I wanted to ask you before is that, so there are factions of Thumerians that went above ground or whatever. So there is uh, Vilebloods, Yarnamites, and Executioners. So, well, are they all, like, uh... against each other? Are Yarnamites and Executioners against Vilebloods, or, like... Well, it looks like the two... The Thumerians who were fighting each other in the labyrinth, as they got to the surface, became Yarnum and Kanehurst. What makes you say that? Like, until you talked about it a few, uh, like, I guess, months ago, I didn't even realize Yarnumites were could have been Thumerians. Well, this, like, I think we talked about... We talked about this, like, in another context, but, like... One of the reasons that I get detail-obsessed about the game is that, like, 
in order to understand like basic story beats, you have to make those connections. It's not just like, here's a story. And then also off in the side, if you like really pay attention to this one thing, that's like, you know, a story about a knight who died and it was sad. Like the way that, that Yanam is Thumaru and Kanehurst is also Thumaru. And like, that's the past. And then what the healing church do through digging stuff up is they literally bring the past back into the present is a really important part of that story. But if you don't know that the game is signaling that that is what is going on, you will miss it. And just looks like a weird, there's just a labyrinth there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it it looks like, yeah, the Yarnum is 100% Thumerian, it is built over the- the Thumerian labyrinth is just the basement, they just don't know it's there because it's all sealed off. And, um, the reason it's sealed off is because of the chalices, and that's why, like, this is, like, it's- again, it's more, uh, overt in earlier drafts of the story that the healing church are trying to get their hands on the chalices because they want those to be able to get deeper into the labyrinth because they keep running into these seals that they need the chalices to break. That's still in there. It's just played down. This is what I mean about like, we just cut content. Like it's kind of cut. It's still in there. It's like 10% in there. And it's just like an issue of emphasis that like this thing is still in there. And like, you have to understand it was more important. And then they sort of like stripped it down a bit. So that part, it's still in there. It's just more vague than it used to be, but it's definitely there. So like Yanam is on top of the labyrinth and then Kanehurst is Kanehurst is from the labyrinth because there's just all this Thumerian stuff lying around there. And there's portraits of people who look like Thumerians and you can um they're showing like the way that the Thumerians became people over time. So you can go to Kanehurst and you can see there's like this painting of someone and she looks like a bell maiden, but she doesn't look like a bell maiden. She looks like a person cosplaying a bell maiden. <laughs> She doesn't look yeah. like the bell maidens you run into. They have these like zombie faces. They're like cheeks are all collapsed. They're like, they look like monsters. But here's just like a normal looking woman dressed as a bell maiden. So the idea is like they start off looking like monsters. And then as the Thumerian bloodline is sort of thinned out over time, they just start looking like people until you get to like just the yarn. And like, um, like the witch of Hemwick. She's connected to Kanehurst. She's right in front of it. Um, she looks like a less, she looks like a sort of more human version of the, there's these other hunchbacked witches in the, in the labyrinth that look like they're much more Thumerian looking. They have like the big black pit eyes and they have these like sort of distorted jaws and very, very long arms and legs, but you don't usually see because they're like hunched over into a little ball when they move around, but. They're ve- they're also very very tall when they stand up, and the witch of Hemwick is just like she's a uh, you know however many possibly hundreds of generations later, you get like it's the same kind of person but without the Thumerian blood in them, so they just appear to be like a just like a sort of hunchbacked woman you wouldn't yeah wouldn't think she wasn't human. Okay, and even like the way that um there are those massive. Yarnamite hunters that have the big bricks that they bash you with. That's like, that's the Yarnam equivalent of like, okay, they're the merciless watchers in the labyrinth. Those like massive fat guys that 
<laughs> like over time, like not like it's literally the same people, but like a Yarnum's rediscovering rediscovering its past, so it's also producing these sort of enormous the enormous sort of bloated people that are incredibly strong that beyond sort of what you would expect of a normal human. Are they Gale? Yes. Okay. <laughs> did we ever beat Gale? I did. I don't know if you did. Okay, because I didn't on my own. I was wondering if we ever beat him together. Well, that would involve you actually finishing a game that you start playing. But I almost... Okay, I'm at the Ring City at Gale. So for some reason, I thought maybe somebody helped me beat him, but no, I guess he's still there. <laughs> I guess he's still talking shit, man. <laughs> it's like it's been two years. She's scared. <laughs> he's tough, though. Yes. God. Yeah, I fought him again recently with um, Goldtooth on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he, he was tough, but then, like, after she beat him, she went back and fought him a couple more times, and then she was like, no, I, actually, I think this is a good boss. It's just, it just took me a while to learn how his patterns worked. So, yeah, we may have to be, like, more positive about Gale in the future, because I only ever fought him, like, a couple of times. Oh. Uh, oh, and I was listening to uh, the Duckfeed podcast you did about The Ringed City. Yeah. Yeah, I was brought on to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> that went well. You weren't very positive, Richie. <laughs> well, I was more positive than them, and it's all relative. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, you know, trick weapons. Is it possible that, like, Bergenworth or Hunters or whoever copied their trick weapons, like, got their trick weapon idea from the Thumerian weapons? Well, the way it's explained is, like, trick weapons were something that German invented. I think it specifies that. I don't know. So, that. do you think do you think he followed the Tara Banks adage, steal from the best and make it your own? Possibly. Okay. I think it's, it. I don't think, like, it's supposed to be, like, a logical, oh, he got the idea. I think it's just meant to be, like, hey, isn't what we're going through now the same thing that happened in the past? Like, not necessarily a, a logical, like, he got the idea from here. I think it would make sense, though. But do you think he went into the labyrinth? Well, I don't know. Either he went into the labyrinth or um, somebody went, and then when they came back, they were talking about it, and he, like, overheard them, or he was part of it or something, and then he got the idea. He's just sitting there with a notebook. It's like transforming <laughs> sort of course. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just thought of something. Yeah. You know how <laughs> Ligarius has a scythe? Yep. And then the elder, one of his weapons is a scythe? It is. And then German has a scythe? Yep. So maybe he did copy it. I guess you could say that. I'm just saying that's a lot of coincidences. Yeah, but there's also just like sometimes narratives don't have strictly logical like connections. It's it's just like an aesthetic connection. Okay. 
Oh, what is the Sumerian relationship with runes? Well, they really like the hunter's rune. It's all over the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Um, the guidance rune seems to have come from a Thumerian weapon. Mm-hmm. Because Ludwig gets it in his head when he picks up the Moonlight Sword. You do find the Thumerian... You find um, runes in the Chalice Dungeon, so they must have known about them. And, like, Erden... Like, they're big on Erden, apparently, because there's, like, the Thumer... There's the Erden Chapel in... Uh, in Yarnum, though, you can find, like, a giant Erden rune and everything, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the way that the Erden, Erden runes, the way that the Carol runes work is almost like they exist independently of kind of the interpreter. They're just, like, these platonic forms that get inside people's heads and they just learn to transcribe. And, like, if they're just the voices of the Great Ones, then, like, if they were underground with the Great Ones, they would have interpreted the runes at some point. Mm-hmm. And you have a videos touching on runes on your channel. Do I? Yeah. Okay, I guess I do. Well, you have the big one. The Erden one. Oh, I was thinking the clock tower one. Oh, yeah, yeah, the clock tower. Well, that's that's another thing where, like, that clock tower is probably, like, I don't think the Healing Church built that clock. I think it was probably always there. Okay. They just moved into it. Like, it's an old Thumerian, like, <laughs> temple, and they- That's why the clock is covered in all of these, like, carol runes. Yeah. Okay. Um- Oh, I also have, um, a video about carol runes on this channel. The horsefish like- rune? No, that's another one. No, uh, one that I did by myself- yeah. before podcasts took over, so it was a good video. And we had another one where we talked about runes together. Yeah. And, yeah, there's also the best guidance rune video ever, which is on my channel as well. Yep. It was pretty good, though. I said it was pretty good, though, Richard. It was pretty good. <laughs> I can safely say that it's pretty good. <laughs> I may, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's all right, but it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> let's, let's not go crazy here. It's adequate. <laughs> and that video is the precursor to the horsefish phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how we, we've been doing these for less than a year and you can just chart like the gradual deterioration of this channel <laughs> of like both of our outputs where like we were both attempting to do this properly. And then after we got together, there was like within a couple of months, we'd sort of like played up each other's worst traits and it's now terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's true. If you go back to, um, Oh, what was it? The Queen of Lothric. The Queen of Lothric. There it is. Yeah, yeah I think. I think it starts there because you. It starts there because you call her the Queen of Lothric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but it was the first video we recorded, 
and we recorded it right after I did, I think, a really good Queen of Lothric video, which was like, well done, well thought out. I consulted yeah. with you on some of the notes. It was like a, a cool thing. It was serious. And then we did yeah. the Queen of Lothric. <laughs> yeah. And that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. But it was all, it was like normal. It was like we were very like I was very professional, I think, I guess. And then yeah. we did the definitions and then we did Mansis. I think Mansis is when like traits of things potentially going downhill in the future occurred. Yeah. 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 And then we did a couple of normal ones with the Dark Souls characters. Yeah. I think the Edgar mm-hmm. one was the point at which we just gave up. I think it was before the Edgar one. The Edgar one was the point at which we posted it. Because until then, I think I was still... <laughs> editing it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like... This is the point at which I expected people to be like, we're reporting your channel to the police. <laughs> <laughs> this is unacceptable. But no. Yeah. Yeah. So... Are you, are you memorizing all these videos I'm mentioning? Because I'd like to put them in the description. No. Not even, I've <laughs> forgotten what we're even talking about. Okay. So then uh, let's move on to, oh, you're going to love this. I had an idea. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, okay. You know how Mef's Wiki, which is bloodborne.tredzniowiki.com? Uh, and for... People who don't speak Russian, that is bloodborne-wiki.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, she has a section. Yep. Which is this. And if you scroll down, you can see Chalice Dungeon Bosses. Yep. So I thought we could go through them one by one and quickly just, like, talk about them. What now? Yes. Okay. Okay, I guess before that, I'll ask you, it's about the dungeons again. So, you know, there is, um, we talked about Ihil, but there's also Lauren and Isiza. Yep. So, like, are Lauren and Isiza <laughs> part, <laughs> part yeah. of <laughs> Or no. are they something separate? No, they're not. This is this is the thing, because, like, this is why I was saying, you know, like, early on, they were just the basement of Yarnum, basically. Um. Like, Lauren is implied to be a complete- Lauren is a completely different place. Okay. Lauren is, like, a city that came in between Thumaru and Yarnum. Okay. It's talked about as though it's the past, but it's the more recent past. They say that, like, oh, we, we've been to Lauren, and, like, it's a land that was lost. Confusingly, they say it's lost to the sand. And when you go there, it's it's like there's sand everywhere. And the implication is, like, this probably isn't under Yarnum. It's probably, like, far away, which is odd. Um, And, yeah, uh, they saw, like, that if you go to Lauren, there's, like, traces of there being, like, medical procedures performed there. It is similar to what the Healing Church are doing. And when you go there, there's the little... The little tiny beast patients from old Yarnum are a really common enemy there, and they're not in the Thumaru chalices. And you also find there, you find, like, the blood-starved beast from old Yarnum is one of the bosses there. Well, we don't have to go into details, because you actually have a whole video on your channel that talks about this stuff. I, I might, I can't remember. 
But like yeah, the idea is Yana, that the, yeah, <laughs> Lauren came in between Fumaru and Yana. And the way they talk about it is like there's all this evidence that in in uh, Lauren there was also a healing church and they were also like trying to heal people there. It was turning them into beasts. And from looking at the ruins of Lauren, there is this fear that like Yarnum might go in this direction. Mm-hmm. There's enemies in Lauren that are called Lauren clerics. So the idea is that that's Lauren's version of a healing church. There's these beast people and they wear these white robes similar to actually what the choir wear. And yeah. we actually have an episode on them on Patreon, which is another rare episode that doesn't suck. Because, again, I felt bad <laughs> that people were signing <laughs> up for Patreon and all the content was so bad. And, uh, okay, thank you. And what's Isazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazazaz
<laughs> this reminds me of the Sanity Escape podcast. Yeah, except it's a different audience. So they're not there. <laughs> it's like the opposite, and they're just going to, they really like the complete shambolic nature of it. So they're not going to kill me. <laughs> well, <laughs> some might. <laughs> the problem is, like, a bunch of, of Lance's uh, viewers have come over. Oh, we're going to have to apologize to them in the beginning of this. <laughs> did he did he do that like of his own accord or did you tell him to to mention us? No, he did it. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you had been pestering him and being like you have to mention us. No, no. No, we we chill. I don't pester him. I just troll him sometimes. He likes yogurt a lot. <laughs> He does, but I'm like, what you eating? He's like, yogurt. <laughs> All the time. Okay. What were we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. Oh, and there's also something called... Oh, you mentioned it. The Hintertomb. Yeah. And that's just hallways? That's just like the... Like Hintertomb, as in like Hinterlands. Like it's just a far away piece of the tomb. What's a hinterland? Just means like, uh, like a land that is far away. Like you know, is that a real word? Yeah. Oh. It's like saying like, oh, you know, I I met someone from the hinterlands. Hmm. It just means like like a remote, like far away place. Okay, and it's is it connected to Sumeru? Yeah, it's just like the they just kept digging out tombs. So like the right. far the the parts of the tombs that are far away from Yarnum are just called the the hinter tombs. Okay. <clears throat> okay, awesome. Oh, and you know, okay, how um there's like the Thumeru chalice, Thumeru root chalice, central Thumeru, lower Thumeru or whatever. Like what do these levels represent? Lorvai. Blah. What do these levels represent, Lorvai? I can't speak. Do you see? Do you see, yeah, Richie? Yeah, I do. I, do you know? I, I keep, I keep wanting, I keep wanting to pronounce W's as V's, like a Russian. Yeah, I don't know what's up. It's like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch trying to say penguin. What? Why? What? Benedict Cumberbatch narrated a documentary about penguins, but he can't say the word penguin. <laughs> what? Why not? I don't know. How does he say it? Penguin. <laughs> so there's a whole documentary about penguins narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch where he's just constantly going like, these provide shelter for penguins. <laughs> okay, so I don't have to feel bad about this. No, you, you, you too could be in Sherlock. <laughs> okay, so what do these... Levels represent lore-wise. You're just going deeper, like down. Like, that's what it is. Okay. It's like I was saying about collapsing time and space. Like, you're just going deeper and deeper into the past, the deeper down you go. Okay. Um, and there's also the sinister, defiled, cursed. Mm. I guess we're going to have a whole episode on the Chalice Dungeons at some point. So just briefly, what do these represent lore-wise? They don't represent anything. They're just like... 
you just perform a slightly different ritual so that when that part of it opens, like, it's, like, slightly different things are happening there. Mm-hmm. They do provide some background lore a little bit, like... Yeah, th- there's there's stuff written on the chalices that tell you a little bit more. And, like, it, it yeah. sort of... It kind of explains that, like, the reason hunters use bells and, like, everyone's obsessed with bells is that they found these, like, sinister bells in the labyrinth and started experimenting with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Okay. And it also, it makes mm-hmm. the connection to the, um, the Witch of Hemwick and Thumaru a bit more... A bit stronger because if you perform the, uh, is it the fetid or rotted ritual? Then, like, the Witch of Hemwick is just a regular enemy in the dungeons. She's just walking around. Hmm. Like, it specifically makes her a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and also, like, that's one thing you can do is basically, like, add the Witch of Hemwick to every layer. Um, There was a kind- This is not removed, but it's kind of removed. There was going to be an equivalent of that for Rom. There was going to be, like, a ROM thing you could do on the chalices where it would replace, like, half the enemies with spiders, and then the boss would be ROM. And, like, that that is in there, but it's it's set for one chalice, and it's Lower Thumaru, um, Central, uh, Central Thumaru, the final layer of that uses that, like, ritual. And it always uses it, and that's why- like that um, layer when you go there is full of rom spiders and rom is the boss because it's it's just applying that ritual just specifically to that layer of the chalice. Okay, thank you. Yeah, but originally you would have been able to apply that to other chalices as well. They just removed the option. Okay. Okay, thank you. And uh, you know how you find like ritual material in the dungeons? Yep. What did Thumerians use those for? Uh, rituals. Well, what kind of rituals? They don't need to get into the dungeon because they're 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 already in the dungeon. Yeah, that is a very good question, and we it never really tells us. Okay. Oh, oh, and you know how? Um, I don't remember the quote, but you'll remember when it talks about like Bergenworth scholars finding something in the dungeons. Oh, the the holy medium of blood healing. Yeah. So yeah, is is what what was that? Here's the fucking thing, right? <laughs> Alfred says something to the degree of like the scholars found the holy medium of blood healing, and they venerated in the Grand Cathedral. And because Ibriatus is underneath the Grand Cathedral, a lot of people assume. Oh, Alfred is saying like Ibriatus is the medium they found, and she's worshipped in the Grand Cathedral. Mm-hmm. He just means like the the sort of the technique of blood ministering is what they do in the cathedral. Oh, yeah. How do you know? Well, because no one's supposed to know about Ibriatus. Well, maybe Alfred heard about Ibriatus through his gramophone. That's true. He, do you think that's what he does? Like, he takes the helmet off and, like, puts one into his ear and listens up to doors. <laughs> and that's how, he, that's how he knows so much. That's how yes. he knows about, like, that's how very confusingly he knows about Ligarius, despite not having been to Canehurst before. Yes. And that's how he knows all about, like, Canehurst Noble's invitations and stuff. He's just wandering around listening at the doors with his giant... <laughs> 
Did you ever do that? Did you ever put a glass to your like your ear and um, a wall to hear what someone was saying on the other side? No. <laughs> I did. It doesn't work very well. But had I used a gramophone, mm. <laughs> too bad we didn't think about it in the Executioner podcast. Because yeah, it's a shame. I feel like that would have explained a lot of things. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. What was the topic? Okay, so what happened was is that <laughs> Alfred was listening in to everybody's conversations and then he heard about Ludwig's plot to assassinate Maria and then Ludwig found out so he killed Alfred and took his gramophone and then framed him for the murder of Queen Annalise. We need to work Five Nights at Freddy's into this somehow. That's how you get the money. What's that? Five Nights at Freddy's is a series of horror games that, like, certain channels that will remain nameless have been able to mine for uh, quite a lot of quote-unquote theories. (laughs) Okay, we can do that. (laughs) Okay, so I think that's all um, for, for the quick... Dungeon overview? No, you didn't mention East at all. We got sidetracked and started talking about. Oh, like, I didn't. Okay, yeah, you said East, and then that, then you said, "Is it? Does that mean that Lauren is connected to Lawrence?" And then laughed for like ten minutes, and I thought you were going to die. <laughs> oh no, it's happening again. Oh God. Go on, talk about Isis. Okay, so East is even more confusing because they talk about like East is a land that lies in contact with the cosmos. And I think you find that in the art book, right? Well, when you go there, it's like there's a lot of. No, I mean um, the description. Is oh, yeah, it, yeah it's in the art book. It's also just on the chalices. Oh, okay. The, the idea, like, it's quite. Vaguely explained. Basically, it just says that the choir found the East Chalice. It doesn't say where um, or how. They just found it. And using the East Chalice, they were able to go to East. It's not clear from where, but I think the implication is they used the Altar of Despair under the Grand Cathedral to go there. And when they went there, they were able to bring Ibriatus back to the surface. And that's how she got to the Grand Cathedral. East is described as though it's, it says it's like in contact with the cosmos. They never really specify what that means. It's, uh, it's full of sort of like very alien looking. It looks like tomb mold, but it's grown quite high. It sort of looks a bit, um, like this sort of weird alien vegetation everywhere. It's got, it's all sort of glowing blue and there's these weird sort of like, sort of clouds of like cosmic sort of like, I don't know what it is, like sort of particles just sort of floating around there. And when you're down there, you run into things like the Celestials and Ibriatus and like there's a lot of like brain suckers and Celestial Larvae and stuff. The idea being that like it's it's where the kin are as opposed to where the beasts are. Although confusingly, like there is a, you can get the pig as a boss quite easily if you do root chalices there. <laughs> so you fight a cosmic pig and- 
Yeah, um, what in contact with the cosmos exactly means is never really... Like, I think the it's it's not so much that East is, like, far away or something. It's more like East is... Uh, the way they talk about the cosmos is, like... Like, you're sort of in touch with the cosmos. Like, you can, like, summon meteors and things by just, like, using your mind. So, I think that's more what they're getting at with East. That East is, like... There's something about it that, like, resonates with the cosmos. So, it's where all these things are. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, Ibriatus, like, when you f- when you meet her, she's called, like, Ibriatus' daughter of the cosmos. So, the idea is, like, right. she was born of the cosmos and she was in East and they managed to bring her to the surface. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, I basically, I don't, I don't think it's actually in space. But- Again, like, the chalices make so little physical sense at this point that it might be. (laughs) So, what I wanted us to do is look at the link from Mef's wiki and just quickly go over, like, each chalice dungeon boss and see which ones are Thumerian and what's up with them. I think they're all Thumerian. Except, like, yes, some of them aren't. Okay. Okay. So, Undead Giant Blades. Go. Undead Giant is a Thumerian giant. The giants that guard the cathedral are just those giants that the church dug up. You can go under Yosefka's clinic and see that, yep, they're just digging up giants, and then they just dress them in church attire and put them in front of the cathedral to guard it. Uh, that's also presumably where the the like church servant Thumerians and the, the snatches with the bags come from. That they are just... Uh, they're just Thumerians that, I mean, because the Thumerians don't seem to have a great deal of, like, cognitive ability. They just seem a bit like zombies. So, I think mm-hmm. the idea is that the church just dug them up and were like, hey, guard this thing. And like, okay. <laughs> oh, they're like the giant from um, Dark Souls 3. Yeah. They're just, they're just trying to be helpful and you kill them. Yeah. 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 You're, you're the monster. It's very deep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So. Oh, okay. On uh, Mav's wiki, there's a description here. Did you write it? I don't know what you're talking about. Which one? Uh, the, the same guy in Dead Giant. Like, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't write any of that. Oh, because it's cool. Because it says here, uh, they have stitching visible all over their body where the pieces they're made up of separate. Yeah. And that's really cool. I didn't know that. And then, like, I, I googled one and then looked closer. And then, yeah, they're like yeah. little Frankenstein giants or something. They're they're internally called, like, Frank because of that. Oh! Oh, snap! I just predicted more internal content from the past. They, they're called that. And the the variant that's in the uh, lecture hall with the burning fist is called Frankenux. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, I, I told Neo Lucky about it, and then we were just laughing about Frank and Nux for like twenty minutes. As a name. Oh, <laughs> so maybe I didn't predict content at all. Again, it was just sort of remembering subconsciously what we talked about in another podcast. Yeah. Oh, also, I just remembered something project. that I'll bring up at the end of this about the uh, chalices and bosses. Okay. Okay. What about the Watchdog of the Old Lords? It is just a monster. Is it a Thumerian who turned into a monster? 
I don't think it is. I think it's just like a giant monster dog that they used to guard at. So it's just like a domestic animal. I guess, yeah. And they look very much like those things from Dark Souls 3. Yeah. Yeah. The watchdog Which of the also- cult. The watchdog the of the cold lords. <laughs> exactly. And they also look like um, the thing from Berserk, like the monster that keeps talking to Guts, but it's in his head or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else about him that's... Well, they're literally, they're literally just a watchdog. Okay. Uh, Keeper of the Old Lords. We kind of talked about you, them. Uh, you can see looking at this that like they... Oh, no, it's eight eyes that I have, that they have, I think. Yeah. Like, if you look at the picture, you can see that they have different sets of eyes, yeah. Or it's one giant eye, and it's just a mask that has, like, um, like, um, you know, like, blinds or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Like, I can't, you know what I mean, like a stick obscuring it in the middle? Like, I can't, I can't talk. I'm trying to show you with my hand what I mean, but you can't see me. No, I can't. Must be very frustrating. Yes, it is. <laughs> a lot of the time I talk to you with my hands, and that's how I explain things, but you can't see. Okay. Yeah. And it's annoying because you get it wrong. And you you think I talk about something else, so I have to explain myself again. What Patreon tier are we doing this live in the same room? I don't know. know. Um, Okay, Undead Giant Club. Remarkably similar to Undead Giant Blades. (laughs) It's the worst of the giant bosses. Really? Why? It just has a really annoying move set where, like, every time it spins around, it has all these chains in its back with blades on them, and every time it spins around, the blades, like, whip around and hit you. So it's it's just sort of really annoying to fight because you can't stay near it for very long. Maybe it's just showing you its cool club moves. Continue. <laughs> I just had a flashback to our SNL conversation and Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sumerian Descendant. Is it a Sumerian? <laughs> well, we can't be certain. <laughs> Um, we just don't know. <laughs> and what's their deal? Which just means like this is a descendant of Thumerians and it's in the labyrinth. Why are they still in the labyrinth? Why didn't they go with the Wildbloods? We just talked about that. Did we now? Yes. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Who's the forgotten madman? <laughs> Well, this is this is kind of neat because there used to be a theory that the forgotten madman was Ludwig. Oh snap! Because like the first theory was Ludwig was the cleric beast, but he's very clearly not, even before the <laughs> DLC. Um, <laughs> and then the forgotten madman is a character that you run into in the labyrinth. He is someone from the healing church who went down there and went mad, and he has Ludwig's holy blade and Ludwig's rifle. Oh snap! So the theory at the time was, oh, maybe this is supposed to be Ludwig. Like he, the reason he disappeared yeah. is that he went into the labyrinth, yeah, and he just never came out again. But um, no, he is not. 
He has a he has a buddy as well. Yeah, is it the Madman's escort? Yeah, when you're fighting him, the Madman's escort will show up. When I think he's on half health, he gets a little friend. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, we talked about. Oh no, that was for Dark Souls Three. The um, sad one, sand worm, or whatever. The sad worm. <laughs> is that what Vardy's video is going to be? <laughs> So, the Abhorrent Beast is not a Thumerian. They're from Lauren. Yeah, the Abhorrent Beast is uh, just someone from Lauren who transformed into an electric-y thing. And it's very similar to Pal and the Silver Beast, because they, they all have electrical attacks. So like, And to the beggar. Yeah, there's certain things in... Um, like, we're just going over the Chalice-exclusive bosses, but other things show up as Chalice bosses. So, like... Paul shows up well, as a boss. We'll come to that. Yeah. We'll come to oh, that later, though. All right. Okay. Sumerian okay. elder. So, what's the difference between the elder and the descendant? The elder is more important. But they look pretty similar. They they look similar, but the elder has a different move set where he gets like the fire on his weapon. Mm-hmm. The descendant. Oh, the descendant has like a like a physical trick weapon. He has like a scythe that splits into two things that he throws at you. Whereas the Elder has a staff with flame on the end, and then he can shape the flame into different weapons to fight you with. Mm-hmm. That's the difference, yeah. The Elder is just, like, like a stronger version of the Descendant, yeah. Okay, thank you. And the Bloodletting Beast is... Is Ludwig. <laughs> no! Okay, so the Bloodletting Beast, as far as, like, the game data is concerned, is Lawrence. And we have a whole Lawrence yeah. podcast where you go into detail. Yeah, they, they then decided he wasn't, but uh, they left enough in there that it's just sort of, like, vague. I think it's safe to say it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the idea behind the Bloodletting Beast is, like, you sort of... The Bloodletting Beast is interesting because, like, I was talking about how when you go into the chalices, you're sort of going back in into a specific point in time. The Bloodletting Beast is the opposite of that. Because as you fight the Bloodletting Beast, you're kind of following it. So, the Bloodletting Beast that you fight in Lower Thumaru is an earlier point in time to the Bloodletting Beast that you fight in Thumaru Ihel. So, like, the implication is, like, the bloodletting beast came into the chalices from outside, and he is going down. And what happens is, presumably, after you beat him in Lower Thumaru, his head falls off. And, um, I mean, if we just accept that it's Lawrence, like, he's killed in Lower Thumaru, he's decapitated, his head is brought back to the church, and then the version you fight in Thumaru Ihil, the head is gone. For the first half of the fight, it's just a headless thing. And then at 50% hit points, this huge vermin bursts out of the neck. And you realize that, like, okay, this is, like, this thing is technically dead, but it's just sort of animated by all the vermin in its body. And it uh, it can, it strikes at you with the giant vermin. And also, this it has this big wound on its back that in the initial fight is just a wound. But when you fight the headless version the back is sort of like it's fly blown. It's just filled with all of these vermin that have wings. And then as it's fighting you, they they fly out of the back. It's like this nest that's full of them. And they sort of like 
yeah, they, they, it has a projectile attack that, like, it's sort of hard to, it's hard to see because it happens very quickly, but if you, like, freeze frame and watch footage of it, it's, those projectiles are literally, like, another form of the vermin. And they have wings. It's almost like they've molted and they've, like, grown into something else and they just sort of fly at you. Mm-hmm. And we also have a whole Vermin and Phantasm podcast on the yeah. channel as well. Yeah. Okay. So now, what about Queen Yarna? Uh, well, we talked about her already quite a lot, I think. Okay. But yeah. she's a Thumerian queen, and also yep. she's called a Thumerian bride somewhere? Yeah, there's... um. What happens is when you're fighting Yana, she will summon clones of herself. And the clones are distinguished because they have a different dress that's, like, less ornate than hers. And they're also not pregnant. And then there is a variant in the unused chalices where it's, like, a a less powerful version of Yana who is just called Fumerian Bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's what's kind of interesting about the Yarnum fight is that Murgo is is technically part of that fight. He's just invisible and intangible. So, like, as far as the game is concerned, you're fighting. You're really fighting Murgo. Like, you're fighting Murgo, who is inside Yarnum. So, like, there's the Yarnum boss, but then like attached to her and like technically hovering above her head but invisible and, like, can't be interacted with is, quote-unquote, Murgo. That's the real boss. And Murgo is what does, like, she can... um, She has two different... This Like, Yarnum kind of has two different sets of attacks. There's the attacks she does, where she's able to conjure, like, a big sword made out of blood, and she's able to, like, cut herself and shoot blood projectiles at you. And then there's other things she does where, before doing them, she, like, rubs her pregnant stomach. And when she does that, like, she's able to, like, um, like use sort of psychic attacks to, like, hold you in place and things. And the idea is, like, that's Murgo. It's like, she's fighting you, but also when she, like, rubs her stomach, she's getting, like, Murgo, who is, who is alive and, like, kicking in the stomach to do stuff. Kicking in, kicking in her, like, womb to- Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, the, the name of that boss fight internally is called Prince. It's not called- Yarnum. So the idea is like you're fighting the prince, you're fighting Murgo. And that's mm-hmm. that's possibly why um when Murgo is taken from her, she can't go and get him back herself. Because like Murgo seems like he was the source of her strength. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So like yeah, so like one, like one of the questions was, and this came up at the beginning, like so Yarnum is looking for Murgo, Murgo's been kidnapped, but then she gets there and she just stands there. And it's like, why doesn't she just kill the wet nurse? Because when you fight her in the dungeons, she's extremely strong. She could just, like, wipe the floor with the wet nurse. And the answer seems to be that, like, her power actually came from Murgo. So, without Murgo, she doesn't- she's sort of helpless. hmm Yeah. And also, Yarnum drops, I think, the Yarnum stone at the end? Yeah, she drops the Yarnum stone, which is, like, implied to be Murgo's corpse. Yeah. And uh, this is interesting. I think you mentioned it in one of your videos uh, where the Yarnum stone is the equivalent of a stone baby, which is a real thing. Um, that um, wasn't, I didn't mention that, um, but other people have. Okay. 
cool. Like it's yeah, it's a real you- yeah yeah it's a real thing that can happen where like a, a fetus that dies becomes like a- like a stone. Yeah. And if you like look up a picture of a like a stone baby and compare it to like the Arnhem stone, it's like very similar. Or just take our word for it and don't look up pictures of dead babies. No, no, it's not. It's not a dead baby. Like, well, if you look at it on Wikipedia, it's just like you know, it's like a stone. Yeah, and it looks like the Yarnum stone. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, Corvus here. Hi, Corvo. Did you hear him? He said hi. Hi. Mm, it's so cute and soft. I can't help it. I'm so allergic, but I kiss him anyway. He's not impressed and or amused. He's like, put me down. Okay. Bye, Corvo. I'm just checking if we have a Prime Minister yet. And? Uh, I don't know because the live coverage thing I was following crashed. Oh, no. I don't know yet. Okay. Well, it's not as important as doing this podcast, Rich, so let's go. Get back on point, bro. Okay. Okay, another thing I want us to go through quickly, like in 140 characters or less. Yeah. Which ones of these are Thumerians? And these are bosses and preset chalice dungeons. Okay, hang on. Let's... uh... The answer is probably not many of them, but we'll see. Like, the ones we already mentioned, but other, like, for example, um, Rom the Vacuous Spider. Stamarian okay. Act. No. Um, okay. I'm looking That's at them enough. now. We like... had a whole podcast on Rom, though. Okay. Well, then why did you ask? I just want to see which ones of these are Stamarians. Because this is a Thumerian podcast. Undead giant with twin curved blades, yes. Merciless watches, yes. Watchdog, yes. Beast possessed soul might have been a Thumerian before he turned into a beast. I think that's the implication. Okay. Because the beast possessed soul has like pyromancy attacks that um, are similar to what some <laughs> Thumerians can do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keeper of the Old Lords is Thumerian descendant is Merciless watches, yes. I'm going to go through all of these. It's ridiculous. Um, uh. I think that's sort of all the brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's all. What about the bell maidens? Well, they're not a boss though. So we need another list. We we, we don't need another list, but. Let's see. Chalice dungeon enemies. Okay. Okay. You know how this has a list of like what uh, what enemies show up in what chalices. What? This should have a list of like what enemies show up in what chalices. Um, oh, I'm thinking of it. Oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Um, the what enemies show up in what chalices thing is by me, and I have to go through all these chalices with a notepad and write down exactly what enemies show up in what chalices. So can you tell me what enemies show up in the Thumerian Labyrinth? Well, I'll have to look at it, because I don't remember, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I... The Thumerian Labyrinth is where you find most of the actual Thumerians, strangely enough. Um, <laughs> If you... 
Like there's there's basically like there's Thumaru, there's Hinter Tombs, which is just like a variant of Thumaru. It's just like far away bits of Thumaru. Mm-hmm. They're where you find the Thumarians. And then if you go to East or you go to Lauren, you'll find different sorts. So in Lauren you mostly find beasts, and in East you mostly find kin. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's yeah. a Watcher's Gravedigger? That is, um, by watches, we just mean the Thumerian enemies. And there's a variant of the Thumerian enemies that's like, he's slightly taller than the others and he's got a pickaxe. And when you run into him, if he doesn't, if he's not aggro yet, he's like, he's hitting the wall with his pickaxe like he's tunneling. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the Labyrinth Watchers. Oh, I thought there were something else. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, all those okay. like cleaver, dagger, cleaver, and lance, and halberd, twin axes, club, mace, etc. That's I had to write all that down. Is the rabbit dog the Marion? It's a dog. Is the snake ball the Marion? It's a snake. Is a labyrinth rat the Marion? It's a rat. What's a wandering nightmare? They're the little. Um, like blob things oh, that give you blood yeah. gems. They're little yeah. mini, uh, or uh, not orphans. They're little mini. Um, when what reborn. Am I thinking? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, rotten corpse. Is that Thumerian? I think it is a dead Thumerian, Yeah, it just looks like a zombie. It looks like a Yarnamite. We're talking about the same thing. I don't know. It's here on the list. Oh, I think it is a Yarn- Yeah, I think we're talking about Yarnamites, yeah. It's in Hintertomb? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think we mean the, like, um... It's like, the, just, like, you find them in central Yarnum as well. They're just, like, drowned corpses in the aqueduct. Okay. They uh, drag themselves around. Gel. Gel is slime. Is that the Marian slime? Yeah, why not? <laughs> what about Eye Collector? Eye Collector is the witches or whatever, right? That's, Eye Collector is just the witch of Hemwick without as many eyes attached okay, to Okay, so we talked about it. Bellringer, Thumerian. They even say yes. she's a mad Thumerian or something. Yeah, they say specifically she, she appears to be a mad Thumerian. Mm-hmm. What drove her mad? Uh, the Eldritch Truth. Whoa! Deep. And, and also having to do a series of podcasts. <laughs> uh, what about Evil Labyrinth Spirit? Uh, yeah, that's like a dead Thumerian, like just the ghost of a dead Thumerian. So I'm looking at the picture, and it makes me think of that ghost Lance found, the one with the beard or whatever. Yeah, they they have the same attacks too. Um, it looks like there was a male and female equivalent ghosts. Oh snap! I'm so smart. Female equivalent here, who is like uh, like just a very very pale. Uh, transparent woman with like very scraggly white hair who tries to stab you. There is an unused male equivalent that is a like a sort of a man with no legs. He just sort of floats and he has a very big beard. A lot of the cut enemies have beards. I don't know if we want to do discussion of that one day. If we really run out of material, the cut beards of Bloodborne. <laughs> but yeah, um, and um, yeah, she has a very very rare attack where she will shoot messengers at you. Oh, right. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. And it's it's so rare that, like, I actually triggered it once and then thought I had imagined it. <laughs> because I, like, 
I was chased by a messenger that was homing in on me and then it hit me and I made a Reddit post. I was like, I think a messenger just got shot at me. And everyone was <laughs> like, I did you see? Like, no, I don't have any screenshots. I'm like, oh, well, who knows? And I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I imagined that. Maybe that didn't happen. And then it turned out, no, it, it is an attack that they can do. They will fire a little messenger at you. And I just like, it's so rare. I only saw it once. And then when I found out they could do it, I went back and I specifically tried to make them and they wouldn't do it. But yeah, the, um, the male equivalent can, like, he does it consistently. If you can get him in the developer chalices, he shoots, he shoots them out in a spread like five and they sort of home in on you. It's a, it's a removed, um, attack that you used to be able to do. In the, um, the alpha version, instead of the executioner's gloves, you have a thing that shoots a spread of three little messengers that then home in on a target instead of the skulls. And that's basically what they're doing. They just have an enemy version of that attack that you used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and the, um, if you look at the art book of the, the female spirit, her abdomen is sort of slightly swollen and red, a bit like Yarnum's, And she's got these drawings of like little, they look like messengers sort of crawling out of her abdomen. So I think like it might be left over from that that like she would she would have little messengers crawling out of her that she would shoot at you. Okay. Yeah. Uh Labyrinth Madman. Uh yeah, that's that's the like sage guy that you meet the like really tall uh with like the long black hair that charges at you screaming that people people encounter once and then never go into the labyrinth again because like I'm not fighting this thing. Kind of looks like the girl from the ring, and what ha- you, you run into them and they just like scream and run at you, and people, people who, yeah, and they've said like I encountered that thing once. I'm never doing these chalice dungeons again because I don't want to run into that fucking thing again. Oh, uh, what about undead giant? Yeah, we've mentioned the undead giant like five times. <laughs> okay, what about labyrinth madman? We just talked about the Labyrinth Madman. Why do, why is it here twice? Because they're different they're different weapon variants, which by the way, <laughs> I had to keep track of that. I had to keep track of it. It's not even like I had to write down when I saw one. I had to write down when I saw one and what it was equipped with. <laughs> Lol. So you can imagine in those like those bits where you're attacked by like twelve of them at once and having to keep them at a distance and just write down like one's got an axe, one's got a halberd, one's got a lantern. <laughs> Yeah. What about blood liquor? Blood liquors, they look very Thumerian. Okay. I think the implication is that they, they were Thumerians who transformed into these just like blood hungry things, but um, they're not considered beast or kin. They're just considered like their own thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's okay. like a, um, yeah, they, they, they're patterned after like a Japanese uh, Buddhist thing called the hungry ghosts. The idea is like, People who were gluttonous in the afterlife, they become these these things with these huge, like, distended stomachs, but they're always hungry. So they have to, like, mm-hmm. they, like, crawl around on the ground eating, like, feces and blood and stuff that's dropped there because they're so hungry all the time. So the, that's what the lab, that's, that's what it's getting at, that it's, like, Thumerians who were, like, so greedy for blood that they sort of became these things. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about Nightmare Apostle? Nightmare Apostles are just the spiders. Are they Sumerian? Well, I don't know. Some of them have heads, but um, they look like 
They just look like human heads. Okay. Um, is that it? Oh, kidnapper! Did we mention kidnappers? Yeah, they're they're the ones who work for Mensis, the Thumerian. Okay. Merciless Watcher. Yep, they're Thumerian. Watcher Chieftain. It's the same thing. Keeper's hunting dog. It's a dog. <laughs> Fluorescent flower. Centipede. Okay. So I think that's all. Oh, what is this? Thimmer eye heal. Okay, let's see. What do we have here? Lost child of antiquity. They're the gargoyles from Kanehurst. And I think the implication is that they're Thumerian as well. Mm-hmm. They're like the blood lickers. They're like Thumerians who turned into this other form. But again, like the game doesn't consider them beast or kin. Mm-hmm. And we talk about them in the Executioner podcast. The thing is, like, th- there is, there's kind of like a third, for like a third um, thing that isn't beast or kin that kind mm-hmm. of sort of exists, but is not really played up. Where like some, it's it's like backwards, where some weapons have a feature called righteous. It's like a couple of church weapons. And the righteous modifier means they do extra damage against some, some enemies that are connected to Kanehurst. So it's like there's kind of a third thing that isn't beast or kin, but it doesn't have a name. And it's like it's like sort of hidden in the files, but it exists. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about Gravekeeper Scorpion? I'll give you a guess as to what that is. Is it Thumerian? <laughs> well, it's a scorpion. It, do- it does have, like, a skull face, which led some people to say, what if it's a Thumerian that turned into a scorpion? Mm-hmm. And? Mm. I think it's just a scorpion. Okay. And what are those things? Oh, we talked about them in the uh, Phantasm podcast. They eat you, and then they poop you. Oh, the, la- the, the hole diggers. Where are they? Why don't I see any? They're, they're not in any preset chalices. They're always in random ones. Uh, I don't know if they're called hole diggers or labyrinth moles. Let's have a look. Yeah, hole diggers, yeah. Yeah, hole diggers. Well, they're, they're just like a weird um, creature that digs holes in the labyrinth. Are they Thumerian? Well, it's weird because like they look... <sighs> They look a bit like they might have been a person once because they they have like arms and legs sort of sticking out the sides and they look they look like someone who sort of like swelled up and now just inside them is this giant like worm thing that's dragging them around. Mm-hmm. You kind of like how the the headless bloodletting beast is like its head is gone but in the body is just a host to this giant worm. This kind of almost looks the same, like whatever. It, maybe, maybe it wasn't a person. Maybe it was like a dog or something. But like the corpse is just being driven around by this like blob thing that lives inside it. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's pretty clear that like they're separate because what can happen is um, if you're behind it, the head will just retract and then like pop out the other side. Like it just it just turns around inside the thing's body and pops out the other end. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I don't have any more questions, but people on Discord had a couple of questions. Oh, I, I wanted to bring up something about um, 
like Yarnamites in the tombs because that's something that we Go found. Explore. Okay, so uh, Trin and I have been exploring what we're just going to call like the prototype chalices. Um, they're like not finished, but there's bits of them that we recognize from early trailers. One of the early trailers shows the hunter coming across just a regular Yarnamite in a chalice. And then the next, then there's this like weird effect and then it, it cuts away and it cuts back again and the hunter is fighting the abhorrent beast in that room. So it looks a lot like um, we found that room and we found that inside it there is a Yarnamite and an abhorrent beast that are just sort of standing there. And it, it really looks like what would have happened is that um, at this point in development, you would run into just Yarnamites in the Chalice Dungeons. The idea being that they had just wandered down there. And they would then transform into beasts and become bosses. Because what happens is you enter this room, there is the Abhorrent Beast and a Yarnamite, and they're just both there. This is kind of how the game does beast bosses uh, in the retail version, because what will happen is like you'll fight the human version, and then the beast version's there. It's just like stored off the map somewhere. So like when you fight Gascoin, you fight there's human Gascoin and then Beast Gascoin is just under the floor. And what happens is when Gascoin transforms, it doesn't like transform the model, it just removes it and puts Beast Gascoin there. So it looks like this is an early version of that where like there's just a human and a beast held in the same area. And um based on the trailer, it looks like that guy was supposed to transform into a beast. And interestingly, like, if you kill- There's just, like, the Yarnamite is standing there. If you kill him, you get the Prey Slaughtered message. The what? If you kill just, like, the Yarnamite who is standing there, the game treats that like you beat the boss. It says Prey okay. Slaughtered, and you can get a vermin from him if you have okay. uh, corruption equipped. Yeah. Impurity. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so it looks like, basically, an early idea was that Yarnamites were going to be going down into the chalices. It wouldn't mm-hmm. just be Thumerians there. They would have, like, wandered in. Okay, thank you. Okay, so now uh, I get questions that we have. Yeah, questions yep. from Discord. Okay. So, Wickertop asks, how did the Thumerians come to be the way they are? Are they a race that inherently are the way they are, or did they only become that way upon contact with Great Ones? It looks like that they would, like, without constant access to that blood they just turn into people so like either they were people who became that way because of the great ones and then they reverted back to being people or they were always that way but then without the old blood they turn into people so they're like the ancestors of people okay why do Thumerians resemble humans so closely if they are not directly related i think we just kind of covered that that like they are directly related okay and how Thumerian is Kynehurst, Maria and the Queen of Kynehurst? Is Thumerianism a loose scale or are they a race that uh, interbred with humanity? If so, how? Do we have any inclination who interbred with them? If so, and for what purpose? I think they're just like Thumerians and humans are the same species. And whether you're like Thumerian is just down to like, how much, how like thick the Thumerian blood is in you, but like they can, yeah, they're just people. Like, like the whole idea behind Ariana is that, mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's related to Annalise. Like she's she's a, she doesn't know that she's 
got Thumerian blood in her. And she's just like a normal person, and it doesn't surface until the red moon happens. Okay. Thanks, Wickertop. So, Worldwide Panther is asking, are those fat rolling guys in the labyrinths also Thumerians? Yeah. Yeah, we, we did cool. that. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Panther. Uh, Stormmocker asks, what is the relationship between Thumero and Lauren? We don't know because, like we were saying, like it goes, it says that Thumaru happens and then like Lauren happens before Yana. So it has to be like Thumaru, then Lauren, then Yana. But I don't know exactly how the continuity there really works because Lauren's also described as like it's very far away, it's in a desert somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I guess like. I don't know. You could maybe say that, like, the Thumerian labyrinth goes, like, so far away, like, past the hinter tombs, you end up in a desert somewhere. But it's it's not, like, spelled out, and I don't know the exact relationship. Okay. And Stormwalker has another question uh, about cause uh, and how cause is connected to Lauren. Yeah. But you have, like, a whole... Um, video on that on your channel so i would recommend watching that yeah yeah you do because it's really good um we also talk about that in some podcasts do you remember which no okay well so check out rich's channel (laughs) i don't remember any of these like like i'm gonna forgotten this within like five minutes (laughs) so check out rich's channel he talks about it um in one of his videos. And we talk about it in our podcast as well, but we don't remember which. Cool. <laughs> Maybe we'll have like a... Oh, oh, I think it was in the Mansus podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So check that out. So it's possibly there. And then what is the relationship between the Great Ones and Thumerians? And how did they initially make contact with the Great Ones? Well, the way it's explained is, like, the Thumerians were the servants of the Great Ones. So, I don't know if, like, like there's, there's two possible, like, ways of doing it, which is that the Thumerians were humans, then the Great Ones found them, and then through contact with the Great Ones, they became the Thumerians, as we know them now. Then they looked after the Great Ones, then they... They got ideas above their station and named themselves a queen, made their own civilization, got away from the great ones, then turned back into people. Or it could be that, like, they were always, like, maybe the great ones made them or something the way they are in the labyrinth, and then they became people over time. Mm-hmm. And since Bergenworth is connected to Thumaru excavations, and there is a lot of cut content. Do we know anything about the initial idea behind the relationship between Thumer and the scholars? I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. It's okay, Richie. You don't have to know everything. Well, it's... Mm, the Bergenworth stuff is like... It looks... Okay, it looks like the first thing that Bergenworth encountered was just the phantasms. This is this is weird because like they talk about Bergenworth find the phantasms, then that's when they start thinking and that they find the the old blood. 
that's what gets them to thinking about eyes on the inside and like evolving humanity. But then their next thing is that they attack the fishing hamlet, which is weird because like, wouldn't you go after the Thumerians rather than the fish people? Like, I don't know what exactly they're gaining by doing the Hamlet rather than just going deeper into the dungeons. Maybe they didn't have the right chalices. I don't know. The thing is, like, the Thumerians are supposed to have unlocked the Eldritch Truth. So you'd think they'd just keep investigating the Thumerians, but instead they decide to go and go to the Hamlet. Maybe maybe because the ones in the Hamlet beckon Cos, so they actually have a great one. Maybe, Rather than yeah. just traces of one, yeah. Um, uh, Stormmarker also asks uh, some questions about the Forbidden Woods. Uh, we have a podcast on something relating to the Forbidden Woods. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Also, you might have something related to the Forbidden Woods posted at some point. At some point, so, yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned. Um. So, thanks so much, uh, Stormmocker. Princess Hunter asks, why do Chalice Dungeons suck so hard? Well, I've been playing the prototype ones, and it looks like they they had to pare back like the plans they had, because they're a lot more elaborate. Like, I was playing a prototype one last night, and I actually got lost, which you <laughs> kind of don't do in the other ones, because they're quite short. But this was, like, huge. It was, like, a really sprawling place, and, um, yeah, I, I think, like, I remember them going on and on about the Chalice's, like, pre-release, that it was going to be a big deal, and then they just sort of, like, lost interest, maybe? I don't know. Something something about them wasn't working, I guess. Okay. But, yeah, it looks like they had a lot more planned that didn't come through, and, like, there's a, there's all these, like, cut chalices, like, boss rush chalices, and other rituals you could do to change the chalices in different ways, and all these enemies that would have been there and like, like one, the, the feeling I, I mean, feeling it's a bit more than a feeling. It's like based on like evidence, but like it's circumstantial evidence, but it's not like, I, I think this, um, back when Bloodborne was Demon Souls 2, I'm pretty sure the point of the chalices was that at the bottom you would find Boletaria and that would be the reveal. And then that got, when it became its own thing, it became like Thumru I Hill. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Thank you, Princess Hunter. So, Hiram asks, there seem to be two different eras in the Thumerians, the Ancients and the Descendants. Um, yeah. Maybe the first ones were just guarding the Great Ones and second uh, were corrupted or something like that. What do you think? Also, what do you think about the Eldritch Truth? The thing about the Thumerians is that, like, Yarnum is still at the bottom, the queen, and she's the one that they name. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think there's, like, a pre and post Queen Yarnum thing going on. I think it's, like, it's all post Queen Yarnum. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I Hill looks like that's the furthest back we go, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know what descendant means. Like, it may just mean, like, like a member of the Thumerian family or something like, but isn't an elder rather than like someone who is like X generations descended. I don't know though. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I guess the other question, what do you think about the Eldritch Truth? We can cover another in another do, podcast. Can we? Uh, if, if we talk about great ones, yeah. All right. I don't think it's cool. it's just it just means like the wisdom of of the eldritch things though it's not like oh like it's not like a book or something that's got oh, there, there's <laughs> okay, the eldritch then. truth okay cool well thank you Hiram um Ipa says I have always been under the impression that after the first Thumerians ascended into godhood they enslaved the rest of Thumerians is that the case well, it's really hard to tell because, like, they talk about the Fumerians as a slave race almost. Mm-hmm. But then when you run into them, like, they, like we said before, they just seem like they're zombies. Like, and they just keep digging all day. And that's possibly why, like, the church are able to, to enslave them. Because, like, right, when the game first came out, people were saying, like, oh, and this includes me. It was like, oh, the the reason that the church has like these giants and it has these Thumerian servants working for them is that the church are experimenting with Thumerian blood and they're just turning into these things because the the blood is going into them. But like, it's sort of obvious now that what's going on is that they're just digging these things up and putting them to work. So it's almost like they they don't have a will of their own. They're just like zombies. The only ones that seem to have a will are the descendants and the elders. And that might be because, like, maybe they all start off that way and the descendants and elders end up with more, like, um, insight or or knowledge or something, and that gives them, like, a more control over themselves. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. And, um... Do we know that there ever was great ones who didn't start out as mortals on the earth where the game takes place? Could it be that Odin, for example, was originally a Thumerian? Well, the thing is, like, great one just means, like, like the Japanese for great one is, like, superior being. So it's it's not like, and again, like, the English is like this as well, but the way it writes great one is almost like it's a species, but it isn't. It's like, it just means anything that's sufficiently, like, advanced is, is just a great one. Like, yeah. So, like, they all, I guess, have to have started out as something. I think the idea behind Erden is, like, the great ones all project themselves into the dreamlands. So Erden just being a voice is, like, Erden is something that, projected itself into the dreamlands and like that's all that's left of it like it doesn't have a, a body at all it's just it's consciousness sort of floating around cool thank you thanks ipa so princess of war has a question about thumerians rebelling but i think yeah. we already answered that before but also another question is like how could they have possibly been successful did the great ones just stop giving a damn well they're asleep okay like, the Great Ones are just asleep in their tombs, and then, like, while they're asleep, the Fumer- I guess because, like, no one's going in there, and all they do is just build tombs all day. Eventually, they were like, we'll just have our own civilization. I think this might be partially mm-hmm. taken from- um, I mean, like, not everything has to be taken from somewhere, but, like, in um, Mountains of Madness, it's a Lovecraft story- uh, it's about a like group of scientists exploring this like the ruins of an alien civilization that's buried, and that has in it 
um, what the reason the civilization fell is that the slaves turned on them. So it might come from that, that like, mm-hmm. although the Thumerians don't seem to have like killed the great ones. They just sort of, they just sort of like started their own civilization. And it was like, I guess it was seen as okay. not a great thing to do because they have ideas above their station, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Princess of war. Um, Princess Beef has a question about Sumerians and their relationship with humans, but I think we answered yeah. those. So thank you for the questions, Princess Beef, but you'll hear the answers in the beginning of the podcast. Um, Agent Funk uh, has questions uh, relating to like Sumerians and the church giants, but again, I think we answered yeah, that, yeah. so... You'll hear that before this part. You'll have already heard it. Question, Agent Funk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Devilette asks, what is up with the beast-possessed soul? There is only one in the main game, and then otherwise you see them in chalice dungeons. The soul just mean that they are a poor soul who is possessed, or is there anything more? I think it does just mean a poor soul who's possessed. They're a really, really odd enemy. Because what happens is that, like, you find the one, there's one above ground in Yarnum, in Cathedral Ward, and it just behaves like a regular enemy. But weirdly, there are ones in the chalices where if you wake them up, like they start off asleep, they fight, they will fight whatever is closest to them. It doesn't have to be you. Mm-hmm. So, you can lead them throughout the labyrinth and they will just attack, like, if they run to a Thumerian, they'll just start fighting them. And you can heal them with the choir bell. So, it's like, they sort of considered to be, like, on a neutral team that is against you and the enemy and you can heal them. And we're not entirely sure what is going on there. And, like, it's possible to, it's possible to, like, use a glitch to get them into boss arenas and they'll fight bosses for you. They're just a very, very strange enemy in general, and we're not entirely sure, like, like was there a plan that- would, Did they have, like, a set-piece planned where, like, the beast-possessed soul was going to, like, fight other beasts in Yarnum or something? We don't know. hmm Cool, and thank you for the question. And Hexapad asks, why is the Thumerian robe unavailable to players? Uh... That's a good question, because, like, this game's obsessed with cloth, <laughs> cloth physics. You'd think you would be able to. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the answer, Richie? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> cool. Okay, thank you, Hexa. And Path of Magic asks, why does Cathedral Ward seem so patched together and detached from everything else? I've always been a fan of how the areas in each world fit together in the series, but Cathedral Ward's locations location makes no sense since it's meant to be right above the Gascoigne boss room, which has an almost clear view of the sky. Not to mention how the buildings in the area are all colliding through each other and have entrance doors halfway up the building and staircases leading nowhere. Yes. Looking at... um. Lance's videos and stuff. There's just like a clump of buildings that they copy and paste over and over again to just fill out areas. That's why none of it. And like <laughs> a lot of what's on the horizon is old Yarnum. 
like they just get old Yarnum, copy it, and then whenever you like in the distance, they just paste old Yarnum over and over again at like slightly different rotations because there's enough variation in old Yarnum for it to kind of look like somewhere else from a distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Thank you, Path of Magic. If you actually, if you're interested in Cathedral Wards, like not quite making sense. Um, an early version of Cathedral Ward was found on the Dark Souls remastered release, and that was extracted. So, oh, I mean, it doesn't have any textures, but someone got it running in Grand Theft Auto V with just like a brick texture slapped onto it. So, you can go to that channel, which we'll link in the description, and you can see what um, you can see an early version of Cathedral Ward uh, playable in Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> And you can see that, like, um, it's basically the same design, but, like, that big circular plaza where all the giants are isn't there. And there would have just been, like, a street leading to the cathedral from those buildings. It's a lot less complicated. And Upper Cathedral Ward is there, but it's designed differently, and there's, like, a like a little graveyard behind and a spiral staircase and things like that. It's, it's sort of neat to look at. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um... Okay, my laptop is about to die, so let me go grab a wire and I'll be right okay. back. All right, hello? Hi. Okay. We have a prime minister. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> Yay. It's the second it's the second worst option. <laughs> so, uh, you said it's going to take 10 minutes, huh? Maybe. Yeah, you said the Marians will take 10 minutes. You said we don't even need to do this because we have a 10-minute video already or something among those lines. What? Didn't you say we don't really need to do this because we have a 10-minute video talking about the Yeah, but I think that, like, all the material in that video is covered in this one. (laughs) It's just that this one is almost three hours long. I think you might be right. Yeah, like, I don't- I think this is just a longer and worse version of something we've already done. <laughs> uh, Alright, Richie. Do the outro. For some reason, you listened to episode- Uh, I'm sorry. It's remarkably similar to something we already did, but longer and worse. <laughs> Why not smash that like button? And, um... Can we ask people to smash the dislike button? No, it's your channel, I don't care. Do you know that, like, (laughs) that likes and dislikes are considered equal as far as the YouTube algorithm is concerned? Oh, snap! Because it just, it just considers likes and dislikes to be engagement. So if you get a dislike, then people have engaged, so you're popular. So it doesn't care. Because there's always this at least one person who gives me a dislike, like, right as it's uploaded, there's a dislike, and it's like, bro, it's three hours long. Like, you couldn't have watched it that fast. No, there's, there's a guy I follow who has, I think, like, 300 subscribers, but there's always a dislike immediately. There's just, like, one guy has a vendetta against this channel that, like, no one really watches. <laughs> but in reality, they're helping me. Yeah, pr- pretty ironic. <laughs> it's like the the ultimate like internet argument win. The whole well, 
by disliking <laughs> us, you're just making us more popular. So like, dislike, whatever you prefer, you know, whatever your heart tells you. You can leave nothing. That's fine too. I like how you're giving people permission to have opinions. <laughs> well, most videos just tell them to like, right? I'm being very like open about this. We need to do we need to do more like I'm going to balance a fidget spinner on my nose and if I can keep it there for 30 seconds, <laughs> you have to leave a like, guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If you learn something new, If you learn something new, like, I don't know. I, ho- I hope you learn something. If you didn't learn anything new, then, like, I'm really sorry that you've sat through this whole thing and it was pointless. If you didn't learn anything new, just, like, like send me a DM or something and I'll apologize. You're like, uh, you're like George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. Refunding people for watching that Batman movie. Yeah, and also in, in every other way, I'm like George Clooney. I'm an extremely successful, uh, handsome <laughs> Hollywood superstar. <laughs>